0: Welcome welcome to the show. Today I've got Warren with me. Warren started Dragon Ginger. How many
1: years ago Warren? Uh, November 2011 so six years ago. Gee that's a long time. Yeah that's funny. (laughs) That is a long time.
0: That is a long time ago. I remember when we met you were in your your vest outside uh, Woodstock (laughs) distillery offloading bottles. Can you remember that?
1: Yeah, I shared, your baggies uh, Yeah we shared um, a, a spot there in, in Woodstock Me and Woodstock Distillery Simon Okay uh, 33 square meters And I had 16 of them That's Yeah that was Our first outlet
0: And I wonder How many years it, when, when our first Must and have been 2013 2014 Four years ago Yeah Okay yeah. And yeah. I remember you made me drink Simon's chocolate liqueur, and it was the best liqueur I ever tasted in my yeah. life. Oh, was, it, was it real? I mean, it yeah, tasted real like chocolate,
1: chocolate. Real? I mean, the alcohol in there was the purest alcohol you get. He wasn't making a lot of it, so he could uh, spend some good time okay. getting it right. Actually, you know what? Yeah, uh, you know, I know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but his mother used to make it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he used and to make the alcohol, and then his mother used. It. Yeah, and he stopped making it. I don't think he makes chocolate liqueur anymore. I'm sure he doesn't. He sells too much gin. Yeah, he just does the gin, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So you started, you are a Cape Town boy, you said?
1: That's it, yeah. Born and bred on, on yeah. the surf? Yeah, uh, a bit no. cold for me, but uh, a bit yeah. A cold. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, 100% Cape Townian. Okay, and then you did the Stellenbosch varsity thing, eh? Yeah, I did uh, mechanical engineering at Stellenbosch. And then accounting at UCT. Oh. Yeah. How long does that take? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Jeez, uh, that's how long is a piece of string. Um, If you want the, the, yeah, the shortest possible option is four years plus plus, uh, one year plus another year um, to do all of that. I did it. I think I've got the record. I did it. I got... um, I did my first two years at Stellenbosch. Then I got kicked out for academic underachievement, oh. um, which is yeah, another word for partying too hard. Yeah. And then I went to tech and I got uh, let back in for academic rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Then I, got, I went back to Stellenbosch and I did my third year there and I got kicked out for academic underachievement. Then I went back to tech and I got, uh, did a year there, and I got accepted back to Stellenbosch for academic rehabilitation. And then I did my last two years in Stellenbosch, <laughs> so two and a half years, because I missed the last rewrite, on the 10th of December in the ochent, which was actually the 1st of December in the ochent. And I arrived on the 10th of December um, for my final exam instead of the 1st of December. And so I got another six months there. So I managed to, to add on another year, another half a year. So it was seven and a half years. <laughs> to
0: get your me- mechanical
1: engineering, yeah. Course. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then, um, and then the one year at UCT turned into two years. And then, and then the final year, the honours at UCT was one year. And that was yeah. a BCom yeah, the become, be and then be honours yeah. And you can do that. at oh, no, no, I did that. Yeah, I did that at UCT. And then I went to to um UNISA. Yeah. Okay. So there's and and I did the, the board course at Wits So as far as academic institutions, like yes, I've been to a bit of a five. patchwork. Yeah. <laughs> and all of that was a very expensive way to fill in my tax return at the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, which you need, I mean, filling in an excise return for for a brewer is not an easy thing if you don't know how to work it Yeah, you've got
0: to be either an engineer or an accountant because engineers are structured and
1: yeah, yeah, I could yeah. never do it Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> there, there, are, there are aspects which I take over but not not a lot, I don't think
0: And uh, out of varsity, into corporate or?
1: Yeah, yeah. so then I worked for Caterpillar for Barloworld, and, and you
0: didn't do your articles?
1: No, I did. I did them inside of public practice at Barterworld. Oh. No, outside of public practice. Well, top. Okay. So you can you can do them. You don't have to do them in an auditing firm. You can do them in the actual industry. And then the auditors don't really
0: see you as an accountant. They think you are like a second degree <laughs> <laughs> accountant, uh, or not?
1: I, uh, I, don't care. <laughs> you know, I really don't care. <laughs> Uh, I think the industry is probably heading towards actually training outside of public practice because yeah. uh,
0: they're being abused, aren't they? N-
1: yeah, yeah. In, inside of public practice, they definitely get a bit of a hard time. Yeah. But outside of public practice, you get a lot more rounded grasp of of the various fields of accounting. You know, inside of public practice, it's one hundred percent auditing. Yeah. Uh, whereas outside, you you get a lot more management, accounting, tax, a little bit of auditing. Um yeah, so it's it's. I think it's a more rounded way, and I think the industry. I haven't really kept up to date on where the industry is mm-hmm. heading, but I, I would say that 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 when top started, I, I think it it was heading down the right path. So I would assume it's it's carrying on that path mm-hmm. with a little bit less, or hopefully a little, you know maybe 50% emphasis on auditing and f- and the rest on mm-hmm. tax and and management accounting, normal accounting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My brother's a
0: Deloitte graduate, CA whatever, okay. and I think the first thing, the only reason he went there was to get out.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that was my, that was my running joke when, when you're doing uh, articles, um, you know, a normal person looks at the when they look at their, their watch, they look at the time. When a when an article clock does the articles, they're looking at the the date.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like the army. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, okay. And at Barloworld so you did the, the accounting stuff there, not the mechanical
1: No at Baderwald, I was I was actually doing um I was I was busy I was doing mechanical um while doing um while finishing off at UCT um no sorry, yeah what I started at UCT finishing finishing off the, the undergrad in accounting. So mm-hmm. yeah. So that was night schools at um at FLB, in uh, in Joburg, so we yeah I was. What a, is FLB? A, it's an accounting institute. So it's like um three people, okay. Forbes, Lever, Baker, uh, okay. and they they started teaching the Unisa courses. Okay. Yeah. So did, it's too hard on your own. Yeah, it's impossible <laughs> that you can No, that degrees, uh, it's you, know, you need help. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. Uh, right, help. I mean, for somebody who's working, going yeah. there at night and that long, he needs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
0: like a coach, I guess. Yeah?
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, so so correspondence is isn't easy, but correspondence with with night classes, yeah, it makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Okay, and that was in Joburg then. Yeah, Joburg. Joburg for five years. Five years. Okay. Yeah, and then um, and then back to Cape Town.
0: Uh, to do
1: what uh yeah there I worked at Toyota forklift, okay yeah, also for well, no, there I was only there for six six months,
0: and that's also boler world uh
1: no, that's the, when I was there it was owned by Equestra oh. so it's similar, you know heavy earth moving machinery um except not as heavy uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh forklift yeah, yeah. But also on the engineering side or No, there I was more by then I'd by then I'd uh I'd I'd qualified and that was more as a general general manager position. Okay. Yeah. And then? And then um yeah that didn't last very long. Um I uh, yeah, that's when I sort of started realizing the corporate world wasn't for me. Uh and then I went to to Mozambique, and I worked as a like a financial controller on a on a building site for for on an island. Um, yeah, no. that sounds interesting. Yeah, well, it's it's a lot more fun if you're the billionaire. Uh, yeah. If you're stuck on the mainland, <laughs> if it's your island. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's not actually fun at all because you don't. If you're working in paradise and and being on holiday or owning yeah. paradise is two completely different yeah. things. So, so I was up on the mainland, up in northern Mozambique for for a year and a half. Wow! Uh, as a financial controller. Um, and, and what were they building? Hotels? Or yeah, they're factories? building a development on an island. Yeah, really, really yeah. high end stuff. And who was the billionaire? Um, uh, what is his name? Uh, Pullman Henry, Henry. Pittman Henry Pittman, here we go from from uh, African Century. Yeah, oh, that was the name of the company. Okay, uh, guys. No, no uh, English guys. So, mm. so Henry Pittman, uh, his great great whatever grandfather started the Pittman secretarial course. I hadn't heard of it But a lot of people have
0: um, Obviously a lot of secretaries heard of yeah, that
1: <laughs> yeah A lot of secretaries Have definitely been Through that course So that's that's. I think that's Well that's how his family Made the money And I think he made more Okay Yeah um, Selling other stuff But not Not developing islands That's for sure Like an island It's a funny thing He, he was telling me When he uh, When he goes out to um, Meetings with his Like his friends And his business colleagues And that and he tells them what they're up to. He says he's he's got um he's got a, a few islands that he's developing in Mozambique and he's got a chicken farm. And um all the business guys start saying, Well let's let's talk about the chicken farm <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's true, you know, there's no there's no money in, in selling plots on an island. Well there's no profit. There's definitely money, no profit. Yeah. So, uh, this is a bit like a brewery then yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I've seen the numbers yeah the bigger the, yeah just bigger numbers and and same zero margins or negative margins really yeah, there's no money i mean you to make an island like that successful you you need fifty plots and you need fifty people to spend two million dollars on a plot, and it's yeah it's difficult to get fifty billionaires, yeah. To, you know, maybe when it takes off, then to get it onto one island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all want to yeah, yeah, yeah. They're
0: used to telling other people what to do, and
1: yeah, it's uh, very difficult to sell high, high-end plots. I mean, uh,
0: the, the body corporate is more like a like a um, government <laughs> because you own the whole island.
1: Yeah, <coughs> yeah. That's okay. interesting. Oh, I had a glimpse of serious money there. yeah
0: and is that thing, the project, did it ever take off?
1: I, I haven't looked, but I mean, it's, it's not going to fail. It yeah. can't fail because that would mean that um, it would run out of money, you know. So it might slow down to zero, but it'll definitely, I mean, when I left, there were five houses. Okay. So worst case scenario, you've got five houses on an island. And mm. um, yeah, so it, it, I don't think it's possible to, for it to fail. But it just it might not ever sell mm. sell out. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked. Mm. Vomizi, if you, if anyone wants to Google it, yeah. And how far north was it from? Uh, I guess about. It was about a half an hour flight on a small airplane south of Dar es Salaam. So far north, far far north. Far far. Yeah, north. I'm guessing three thousand k's from from Joburg, kind of north. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll always forget how how narrow and tall or how long
1: yes. Mozambique is. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. I'd say it's yeah, it's probably about four thousand Ks long. Yeah. But, but, yeah.
0: It's a long way up there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then from from that project, that sounds I mean it obviously sounded romantic, it wasn't.
1: No. And No, it was um Yeah, and then I went to Alstom. Um Sounds like a, an
0: electrical thing, is
1: Yeah, Alstom does mainly power stations, mm-hmm. so fixing and building, and yeah, fixing and building power stations, nuclear and coal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a financial controller on um, on this project uh, called the Duva Rehabilitation Project. So there, they had, um, and yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to get fired. <laughs> I was saying no, but some idiot at Eskom blew up the. Uh, they they um, they had this turbine. Now when when I say turbine, you'll only believe it if you see it. Like it's a turbine. It must be fifty meters long. Yeah, like no. if you think a car turbo is like you hold in yeah. your hand, a duva turbine is that, except fifty meters long. And they um, like they were Yeah, yeah. And they got six of those at Duva Power Station. It's a coal power power plant. We're in in Pumalanga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had six of those, and they were testing them. They were testing the the override, the safety override. So so what happened is when when that turbine spins too fast, um, then then some safety mechanism kicks in, and um, and slows it down, and then for their testing they. They took the override off And I'm not sure on the exact details But somebody went to lunch Or everybody went to lunch <laughs> And this, literally this whole turbine blew up Was it owned by ESCOM? Yeah, yeah yeah. I oh, think, of course uh, Yeah, I think all, all, all uh, power generation plants Are owned by ESCOM um, I think yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and so that was my job For the next year and a half Or two years is, is To fix it yeah, well, keeping control of the money while, yeah, yeah. keeping tabs on the cash, <laughs> uh, not 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 in charge of it, but mm. I was like the, I was one of the on the finance team to to look at the numbers to get to to rehabilitate that, mm. that turbine. Okay, yeah. so
0: so you mechanical guy, hands-on guy, but you can also control, which sounds like quite a good yeah good uh, yeah. skill set to have if you're starting your own
1: business. Yeah, um, definitely for cash flow forecasting. I mean, it, it helps. For using an Excel spreadsheet, definitely, yeah. Um, there are easier and shorter ways. I mean, I I started uh, my own business full-time at uh, about five years, four years ago, let's say. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm now 40, so 36.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, had I, so you
0: started your business part-time?
1: Yeah, for sure, yeah, oh, okay. for sure. There's no other way. Yeah. I mean unless you got funding. And um, where
0: did you work then?
1: I was uh I was at Alstom. yeah. Okay. But not I'm also po- allowed to say that now that I've left Alstom. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, still in Pumalanga when you started all. No, Joburg. So so the head office was in Joburg and okay. then the 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 turbine was in Bumalanga, but yeah. we
0: didn't. You didn't have to go and visit
1: it. No, we went monthly or mm. yeah, whenever necessary to but see if the guys were not taking too long lunches. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's not a it's not a big deal. If you're the okay. accountant, you can sit anywhere and yeah. count the numbers.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you, you were based in Joburg still, and then you started your own thing.
1: Yes. In, you so then, said in
0: 2011.
1: Yeah. Well, 2011, we we yeah, we sold our first our first bottle of Dragon. Um at the at the Meltbors, um, market. Which is a long way from Joburg. Yeah. Well I was I was commuting at that stage. So my family was in Cape Town. Okay. And I was in Joburg. So so yeah. So we sold there while well, and then and then that's uh about that time. Actually no, but yeah, that the first bottle was, was sold in twenty eleven and then in Joburg we started selling maybe in 2013 Okay 2012 Somewhere there Um Yeah that's
0: And if you say a family Have you got a wife and kids Or Yeah two Two girls And a okay. wife yeah. oh, Um Of course Eight they, and eleven They're the ones that do ballet with your, With With uh, <laughs> What's his name Um The tours guy The tours guy Don't know uh, No worries Okay Um Okay, so did your wife help you with uh, starting it up? Yes, definitely. Was
1: okay. uh, she was, uh, yeah, she definitely. Yeah, I, I would almost say I helped her. <laughs> uh, she was in charge of of the brand and the brand identity. Yeah, and that I think is is one of the main the main aspects. Um, and um, and then also the the recipe development, because mm. she's got a very good sense of of what tastes right. Okay. Um, so yeah, so she she really did get involved uh, right from the start. So I think that's yeah that that put Dragon on the right path right from the start. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you could fund it and and put your give your input from from your long distance job in job Yeah. Okay. So
1: every every two weeks I came out for a weekend. Um, yeah. Not easy, but um, mm. yeah, it worked. And what was the landscape well, in
0: twenty? 20- Eleven.
1: In twenty twenty eleven craft was just beginning. Yeah. I mean there was Jack Black, okay, they'd been around for about three or four years, yeah. maybe. Maybe more even. Mitchell's had been around forever, but they I don't know, I think they were way before that time. Mm. Um,
0: was it sort of when the biscuit mill started taking yeah, off Yeah, yeah, all, Biscuit all, Mill was those, just starting.
1: Yeah. Um Boston was around. Mm. Um
0: I don't know who else. Darling uh, might have started at similar times time. Isn't Darling,
1: it? Darling was definitely either yeah. Darling started before us, okay, by about I would say a year or two. But they they were contract brewing. You yeah. know, the Darling only really Boston, got going. Yeah.
0: Yesterday, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't So I had uh, yeah. I had here the other day, and he went, yeah. we we uh, went through all the steps, and unfortunately, yeah. that podcast uh, wasn't recorded properly.
1: So. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah Darling's yeah. the youngest craft brewery in South
0: Africa. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Okay, so out of milk Boss and yeah. you, you still live in milk boss? Uh
1: Yeah, yeah, I still live there. The factories moved from from uh, Salt Circle in Woodstock to. We actually started in Atlantis and then we moved to Salt Circle. When I say we I mean um uh Dragon and Woodstock Gene we were sharing mm. sharing expenses and then uh, and then we went to Woodstock Gin and that's when Woodstock went to their own premises next to the entrance to the Biscuit Mill. And we moved to a more industrial property in in Killani Gardens. Um and then after that, we moved to Durbanville Hills, not Durbanville Hills, um, Atlas Gardens in Durbanville, okay. just next door to Durbanville Hills Wine Estate. And the one I
0: was referring to earlier was Jochen from Absolute Tours.
1: Yes, okay, of <laughs> course, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: that's it. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah. why I know that you've got daughters, because they... Oh, do they dance together, yes. <laughs> they dance together, okay. Yeah. Okay, so, and... and I mean, I checked you down when I was writing my beer book, and uh, the whole idea was obviously to get people to visit the different breweries, and it was fine when you were in the biscuit mill, i mean in in Woodstock, yeah, but when you started moving out and getting yeah. more industrial, you don't have a tap room or something that where people can visit it. But yeah, yeah. so it's not on the on the sort yeah. of the L trail anymore, but it's it's you've got a factory and or or a plant, and. Yeah. that's where things happen
1: yeah the, you need you need space and money mm. you know it depends on your well yeah maybe you don't need money to have a tasting room because if you do it right you the tasting room could be your main source of revenue in mm. the early stages so so yeah there's we we've always wanted a tasting room uh, right now there's no space mm. Um We'll get there I think that's That's the next goal Is to move into A, a property that we own um, Possibly A little bit more rural mm. um, With a tasting room Okay But uh, Our lease expires In a year and a half So so, so we're looking So more of an experience
0: Where you can People can become Part of the brand Yeah Like your...
1: like Rebic West Or mm. Maybe Yeah Somewhere rural Okay yeah. Okay, and uh, when did you,
0: when were you able to take this on full time? Uh,
1: 2013, okay. four years ago. Is, we left. I, that's I, quite quick, two years? Yeah, very quick, very quick. I mean, things, to give you an idea on, on, on sales, uh, in 2013 we were on, on a thousand, a thousand litres. December 2013, we were on a thousand liters. December 2014, we were on ten thousand liters. And how
0: many liters do you need to pay your own salary? Or, yeah, about ten thousand.
1: Okay. Ten thousand was sort of our break-even, and when when I went full-time, we were on a thousand. That's in December. So thousand liters in December, and that's when when I went full-time. So it was a quite a big financial risk, you know, mm. getting getting from a thousand to to no, no, it wasn't ten thousand. Wasn't the breaking? It was it was five thousand. Okay. So so we were on a. Th- it was actually a thousand five hundred. Sorry, I'm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a thousand five hundred. What we were on in 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 that December when I when I went full time, and by the next December it was it was ten thousand, although we needed five thousand. Okay. So it was a risk, but. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely paid off. I yeah. think when you full time, things happen.
0: Okay, and tell us a little bit about the brand. Uh, the listeners might not know the brand. Oh. So it's Dragon Ginger, and yeah.
1: That's, it's Dragon a Ginger Beer.
0: That's Dra- it. Dragon Fiery Ginger Beer. That's
1: what it. What is yeah. the brand name? Uh, well, that's it. Dragon Fiery Ginger Beer.
0: Okay, and the company yeah. is called Dragon Ginger.
1: Yeah, Dragon Ginger. Okay. We had to drop the the word beer because it's um, it's not a beer, although it's it's yeah for um, f- and that's. Uh, the department of agriculture and forest fisheries and forestry being absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, everybody knows it's a ginger beer, but you can't call it a ginger beer because if you say ginger beer, then it's the department of agriculture, fisheries and forestry says, but then it's a beer and why doesn't it have malt in? Mm. And, um, you know, so, so actually if, if, daff had anything to do with it You can't call stony ginger beer a ginger beer You have to call it a ginger soft drink Mm. So it's it's called dragon ginger But it's actually dragon ginger beer Mm. um, Because it's made with Ginger, sugar, water, yeast uh, And and that's how you make ginger beer. Just say it again? G-
0: g- <laughs> ginger water? Ginger water,
1: sugar, yeast. Okay. Uh, oh, so it's
0: Reinhardtsgeburt, four ingredients. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Reinhardtsgeburt.
0: <laughs> so, so in uh, Germany, I mean, you would certainly not
1: be allowed to call it a beer. Uh, no. No, Germans wouldn't wouldn't uh, classify that. That's for sure. And, then,
0: and the German have got a very unfortunate name for ginger it's called Ingwer.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: Yeah, so uh, which sounds like a zulu word for uh, crocodile or something uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay yeah. so you export sorry i'm going to jump to, yeah, to, yeah. to you to you've you just been on a wonderful trip of europe and scandinavia and you say it's it, yeah. very exciting stuff there yeah. but you also ended up in berlin what do the what do the germans say about your ginger beer
1: yeah, they really liked it. I think Berlin is the the place where anything new or different or completely outrageous goes. So, mm. so, yeah, the just the fact that they hadn't tried it was was really nice. Okay. The, the, so there's no ginger brewers. No, there's ginger Joe and and um, I didn't see crabbies There was a bit of ginger Joe, but it's it's not. Big in Germany, you know. And it's really nice that that you go into a place, and the and a lot of the craft drinkers haven't haven't even tried Ginger Joe, mm. and the ones that have say, so, "Oh no, it was too sweet, and I didn't like it." So, okay. so the market in Germany is very receptive for for Dragon
0: because I think they like ginger.
1: Yeah, the the Scandinavian and and Germanic countries, yeah, they they definitely do, and okay. they've got they don't like sweet, which is is different to. Uh, a lot of the other countries, mm. like like the UK, I think they prefer a sweeter okay. drink, uh, like crabies. Uh, so it, it works well. The taste profile in in Sweden and and Denmark and Norway and Germany, from our experience, it works well. Okay, yeah, right. And um, when you started, um, you you
0: worked out of that little thing. You immediately teamed up with distributors because you're not a salesman
1: yeah uh yeah that's the, the there's two ways of doing it the one is is to do it yourself mm. um and stay relatively small or or you go for footprint and um mm. and 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 lose your margins but go big yeah and you always had lots of distributors if i'm
0: not mistaken
1: yeah when we started they were very easy um uh, Dylan from tapram he'd he just left mitchell's um yeah. Yeah. so back then it wasn't it wasn't a problem uh, getting getting into to taproom. Uh, I think they nowadays they are a lot more fussy, and you've got to you've got to show that you you can build a brand, or yeah. you have the money to build a brand. I think that's it before any of the distributors will will we'll consider take, you. Yeah. So it's it's a lot different now. Like CLM, I mean, they're they're cutting brands. They're not they're not taking on yeah. brands. So. It's craft liquor merchants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so back then it was very easy. I, actually, Dylan came to me. <laughs> that's right.
0: Okay. Yeah, that I, was yeah, nice. I, yeah, I don't think... But like the gin now when uh, everybody wants a new gin. Uh, yeah. Uh, but next week the gins will have to start selling again and yeah. not just supplying the yes. orders.
1: Yeah, yeah. Then, then the next big thing comes on and then you start off being popular and then next, yeah. Mm. So... Okay, so the, then
0: so Taproom had just started CLM, Craft Liquor Merchants, in Joburg?
1: Yeah, Taproom had just land. left Mitchell's. Yeah. And and they they, they... they needed brands to sell. And they were looking for brands, yeah. yeah. so Okay, so that was a lucky break. Yeah, they tried us... Uh, I forget the name. On top of Corlett Drive, a very good craft bar. And we just got in on tap. Ah, um, uh, the name... Uh, The Griffin. There we go. So we that was our first customer, and then Dylan tried at the Griffin. Um, Our first customer in in Joburg was was um, actually was Katie's Palace Bar. Uh, Well, on the same day we listed Katie's Palace Bar, and then um, and then the Griffin, and then Dylan tried at the Griffin, and then we had a a coffee in uh, Woodmead, and then yeah, he signed us up. Okay. Yeah.
0: And but you were also
1: with Jason at Craft Liquor Merchant no not? we started uh we started with bottles and taps at at um at the tap room okay and then uh the tap rooms' focus was definitely on on tap, on, on draft. Tap. yeah um and uh and CLM's focus was on on draft oh, on sorry bottles. on bottle so mm. so down the line we okay. we split the two um we were lucky, I think, because I, I, I think nowadays uh, Dylan and Jason won't won't split anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's complete exclusivity or nothing. Yeah. But I think because we were there from very early on, uh, yeah, with some begging and negotiating, and I think it's worked out well. You know, that I think I think Taproom is very strong on taps, and that's what they do. Yeah. You know, so so I think it's worked well for for Dragon.
0: And in Cape Town, did you also have a distributor or do your own thing?
1: Uh, Cape Town, Taproom, uh, yeah, Taproom didn't come to Cape Town until much later. Yeah. So we used... Last um, year, I think, was it? Sorry? They only went last year or the year before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only maybe two years ago. Mm. Uh, So we we were using on tap, we were supplying direct and using CLM. um, But we really didn't have a tap presence in Cape Town. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and then bottles bottles we were using CLM. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you
0: obviously I mean you were riding on the on the back of the the whole craft revolution or the craft beer revolution in that day. But yeah. you I mean you positioned yourself as I guess as not being a craft beer but a ginger yeah. beer.
1: Yeah, something something unique. Uh early on and I think that's that was a good thing, mm. uh, in hindsight. You know, we can we can differentiate very early on uh, that we're not a beer yeah um so when you go in on tap uh if it's a four line cooler you've got you've got three th- beers and three a three beers and a and a ginger or a cider um and so it's a lot easier even though there's only one line to go for yeah. that that one line we we have a much better chance of getting into that one line than than another beer yeah so so and it's worked for us yeah okay.
0: And it seems to be even even easier to sell a ginger beer than a cider.
1: Yeah, uh, I think the the taste profile is is spot on. I mean, that's okay. that's the only thing I can think of is people like the the, the specific recipe. Mm. I, I think that's um, that's a big thing. Is is the the taste is is good. Uh, I, I think also that we've got in early and we've got some brand. You brand can, dominance in yeah. the in the in the craft ginger beer field. I think that that definitely helps. And when when did you
0: get your first competition? Um, or and are they still around? There were some guys, if I remember, that would the gap or something or what was? The...
1: Oh, mind the gap ginger. Yes, yeah, yeah. That That's a long time. Yeah, it? that came on. Was that the first? Kind yes, of I would say that was the first one. Uh, that was about four years ago. Okay. Um, and then, after that uh Gorgos, ginger okay um now it's hotting up quite a bit uh i know I know striped horse is launching a ginger okay. sometime in this year uh I saw another ginger um uh, called dexter uh I haven't tried it mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so it's been. I mean, you've yeah. you've had quite a nice ride then, because yeah, yeah. people have focused. Everybody's launched beer brands yeah, and yeah. and cider
1: brands yeah. and sort of left you alone on your. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I don't know if it's. I, I, well, for me, it's easy to make a, a good ginger beer because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. But I think if you if you, you, you start from scratch, you. yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. If you starting from scratch, I don't think it is that easy to get okay. that recipe spot on. You know, so a lot of people I think they try, mm. um and then and then I think they the the competitors look at, at the effort it takes and they look at their strengths and a lot of the the competitors out there are strong on the beer. Mm. And then and then do they really want to focus on a ginger beer? It's gonna take time away from their main brand, is it gonna work? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so a lot of them r- rather stick to what you're good at, you mm. know I think and and I would do the same and and I am doing the same, you know our focus is ginger beer i'm not going to venture out onto into a beer mm. or into a, a cider you know I, yes i might I might test run a cider and, and try a recipe out, but i I know where the, where the margins are. I know what' a, we're strong at and and we are one hundred percent ginger. Mm. So and I think that's also what's kept us kept us going is 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 not not trying something new. Mm.
0: And uh, I mean bootstrapping, you were, you've always been very conscious of overheads and stuff. Yeah, sure. Just we, from a distance, I could see that.
1: Yeah, no, my, yeah, I, yeah. It's uh, it's been tough. You know, it's it really is tough. Uh, there's a uh, we were we were never as profitable as fifteen when fifteen five years ago when we were selling uh, you know 1000 liters in december with zero overheads yeah you know that's that's where the money is uh, now now we're selling a lot more and the overheads grow and, and, you, and cash flow is everything the margins are great you know yeah. if you if if you could if you could bank your gross margin we'd be really happy but you can't yeah. you bank your you don't even bank your net margin you know you, you bank your your cash flow. So, yeah. so it's it's what you sell, and then you wait two months, and then you or thirty days from statement, or whatever it is, and then you and then you hope that that the guy pays. The bugger pays on Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <it's, laughs> cash flow and profit are two completely different things. Yeah. And um, gross margin, net margin are two completely different things. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's been tough. Been very tough. And and as you grow, your your break even point in in liters grows. And and you sort of, you're always hoping that uh, okay this is the last time our, our overheads are going to increase, and um, this is the last time we're going to either drop our pricing or keep our pricing the same um, to try and keep up with Jack Black. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, but jeez, the pricing is is tough in this market. Mm. So we hoping we've got we've got the pricing right as low as we can go. And we're hoping our, our overheads aren't going to grow, and um, and then and then volumes do grow, and we get some get some cash in the bank. Mm. Where do you want? Where do you where do you like to see the
0: the bottled product in the bottle store?
1: Um, well, in the yeah, in the craft section. No, I mean at what sort of selling price? At uh, price point. Mm. Uh, we go. Uh, we don't. We don't want to be cheap. Uh, we don't want to be expensive. So, for um, if you take if you take let's say uh, Devil's Peak First Light, what do they go for on the shelves? But I'm guessing now. But let's say they were they were 19 bucks. Mm. Then we'd try and aim for 22. Okay. You know, mm. whereas Devil's Peak Blockhouse would probably be 20, 26. Mm. Um, so a bit less than uh, yeah. So you take the uh, I would say somewhere in the middle of you take any uh, premium brewery that's got their, their premium range and their and their, their budget range and you sort of go a- average it out and then add a, a- add a little bit you know. Mm. So we yeah we about I would say four rand m- more expensive than than your your average lager. Okay. On the shelves, mm. Yeah offer a 3:30 more,
0: and that's I think a good place to be. I mean, I I struggle struggle to pay for for craft lager.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean it's the point of difference is just so small. Or yeah, it's all yeah. I mean, there are definitely people out there who say they don't drink commercial lagers, but it is it is you need a seriously compelling reason to buy a craft lager. I think. Mm when uh, these these good commercial lagers on the market.
1: Yeah, I think I think Croft is 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 known for its its experimental mm. or, or new new yeah. stuff. I think that's that's where the, the good stuff is, you know, yeah. the, the IPAs. You just don't get that in commercial lager. Yeah.
0: And even 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 something simple like a vice beer. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. commercial vice beers haven't succeeded. Yeah, and I think that's where opportunities are. But yeah. more in, in other areas. Yeah. Okay. So you've managed to get your little pocket of your little niche, and uh, you're sticking to it. Um, and but you've you've how, how big is the is the bottle market for you?
1: Uh, in in South Africa. In ginger beer, I I would say there's room for another. In in the current in the affluent market, we could probably grow our our product by another forty percent in the next three years. Uh, it's yeah, it's not it's not huge. Is it mainly draught? Oh, sorry. Are you talking bottles versus taps? Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry, I I was thinking overall in 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 taps. Um, yeah, funnily enough, we are we're quite small in taps. Oh, really? Um, we twenty five percent of our sales are taps, seventy five percent bottles. I think that's a good place to be. Um, yeah, because you, yeah, the money's in the in the in the off Yeah, the the brand building's in the on The money's in the. But off-con. the
0: brand, I mean, for people to pick a brand off the shelf is yeah is a is a big is yeah. a big task. I yeah, mean, If yeah. you're getting that right, yeah, it's much easier to swing somebody in the pub.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, bottles. Bottles in a pub is, is a difficult sale yeah. because they the bottles aren't visible. Yeah. Whereas taps in a pub, you know, everybody walks in or spots on tap. Yeah. So you can sell. Yeah, once you, once you're in on tap mm. in a pub, then you can sell a lot. But um, it's your yeah, bottles. Bottle on on con bottle sales are are, are very difficult mm-hmm. to push. And how have you seen the the bottle
0: stores change in the last five years? I mean, can you see?
1: Yeah, listings are a lot tougher. I yeah. mean, bottle store owners are are getting tired of dealing with off stock. They're getting tired of listing new products. And have you got problem with off stock? Uh, no, no, we right. don't. So we don't. Our product doesn't have gluten in, so okay. so we've got a lot longer shelf life. Okay. We've got twelve months. Uh, we also filter our product, which which extends the shelf life. Whereas if you if you filtering a beer there's a risk that you're going to be taking out, out the flavor. flavor. yeah. Mm. So, so we're lucky. You know, the, the nature of the product is a lot mm. more easy to, to get shelf life. So we don't generally have the same issues mm. of off stock, yeah, which is great. But uh, do you find that bottle stores
0: know your brand? I mean, you don't walk into a reasonably upmarket bottle store and they've never heard of you.
1: Uh, depends on the bottle store, you know. We we stick to the ones, the the category one bottle stores. Mm. So so the ones that that do sell craft generally know about us. Mm. Um, we we can grow, but it's not. Yeah, you know, we've got a we've got a good footprint in South mm. Africa, okay. I would say. So so there's probably another maybe another forty percent growth in 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 the actual off trade. Um, Footprint. Uh, if we start looking around, but we've we've definitely got to to all the the, the, the key regions: Joburg, Cape Town, uh, Durban, maybe the the Garden Route. Um, so we we are there. We've got a presence in in a lot of the the, the high end retail. Mm. Um, yeah. So so we yeah we've we've definitely got that covered. Um, but but also without without resting on our laurels, you know, there's still there's still room to grow. There's definitely room to to grow in in pushing volume sales per outlet. I think that's mm. that's the next big thing. You know, once you've got the coverage, is is to make sure your your merchandising's right. So you go from one case to ten or five yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. Driving sales. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, just launching your brand, what do you think the biggest lesson was that you learned, or can you?
1: Um initially i uh, I would say um getting the brand out there, so that mm. the the big thing for me is is markets uh every weekend doing your own market okay um if you've got funding, then I would say do it yourself, even if you can pay someone else to do it you know there's no better brand building than yeah than handing over the product to a customer and talking about it. So I think that's the biggest thing: is is doing as many markets, as many tastings outside a bottle store. Yourself. Yeah. 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 Cash flow, sure. That's that's always your biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, and you've you've
0: tried to raise some funding. Have you got equity partners?
1: No, no. We've tried. Uh, we've tried and tried and tried. So, I. Uh, is that I don't because know. you're an
0: accountant, or
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, a, that's exactly right? A, it's because when I do a valuation I do an Excel and it comes out to I'm I'm you know, I keep I say to people I'm an Excel billionaire. Um which uh is not an actual billionaire, it's an Excel billionaire. Yeah. And I think that's the problem is when you do your own valuation, yeah. It's um it's a lot higher than any investors valuation. And investors only wanna get involved when when they can see actual profits and not future profits. Yeah. So So it's tough. You know, you can and And I've seen people do it where where they they basically give away half their company yeah um even though if you had done a evaluation it would have been worth maybe a lot more and it's worked very well for them yeah. i mean if you take um if you take jason from from c l m he did it and geez, it's, it's worked well for him okay You know, so, so you're and it, it, more of a personal thing you, very difficult to just Undervalue or, or correctly value your company and and, and give away half. And so I just haven't... Yeah, maybe it's an emotional thing. I haven't yeah. been able to do it. Whereas other
0: people that I've interviewed have done it mm. at the, our starting blocks. I yeah. mean, like uh, Durban Poison City yeah. and, and yeah. Red Rock Brewing Company. Yeah. I mean, those guys have managed... They're obviously good at raising money rather than... Yeah. And then he said, "Building businesses." But I mean, fairly early on, they've managed yeah. to attract investors. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's a different model altogether when you always, from the start, you know, you're not going to own the business yourself. Yeah.
1: And it it can work, and it, it often does work better if yeah. you do it like that. You know, rather have a small piece of a big pie than yeah than a big piece of uh, of nothing. But and then you end up like a friend of mine who owns
0: a, a pick and pay, and he says he had to buy the post net next door because. He was just a manager in his own store Yeah um, Yeah So not, that's yeah, Not that's that the, I think a, pos- a person net takes a lot of creativity But He certainly uh, Couldn't do anything In a, in his own pick and pay
1: Yeah Yeah So you end up being a An, an employee mm. Eventually um, Yeah And that's also one of the benefits Is we We don't have shareholders mm. or, or I don't have shareholders um, And you can move a lot faster Yeah you can make decisions a lot quicker. You know, it's just me, basically me and Marco, the sales director, who, who, who run the the operational decision-making side.
0: Mm.
1: And decisions can happen on a Skype call. Whereas with shareholders, and I've seen it when dealing with, with bigger companies, it's, it's always a question of let me get back to you. Yeah. I have to discuss this, and yeah, if it if the business is is efficient enough, it's not a problem. But often it yeah. slows things down. Okay,
0: so you're still looking for for investors?
1: Yeah, always looking. Yeah. Uh, but um, and and I think they'll come, yeah. and and when they do come, then by then the, the company will be cash flow positive, and we won't, won't need them. So yeah. So it's always like that, and, and, and <laughs> until that stage, that, that yeah, so it's a horse and a cart, and I yeah. I'm a bit skeptical that it'll ever happen, yeah. but we're very close to, to that, that post-break-even revenue or profit or cash flow side. Yeah, so you've got a marker as your sales
0: director, and you've outsourced all the distribution and sales to, to third party. You just yeah. focus on production and, and uh, management?
1: well no, no well recently we've we found we can't we can't um <clears throat> we can't rely on on distributor reps you know they they mm. they well they're paid by the distributors, and the distributors have a basket of brands mm. um, a big basket a big of basket of brands yeah and yeah so you you end up being on a shopping list so you can't mm. so so what we've now done and that's actually why I'm up in Durban is we, we've entered a collaboration agreement with Durban Poison, Poison City, sorry, Freudian, with Poison City and... Durban um, Poison is something else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, with uh, Poison City and 0 31 Okay. And um, and we sharing reps. So okay. we're we going, rather than spending whatever it is on one rep per, per brand, we chopping that that number in three and and we're getting three times as many reps. Mm. So we can we can share the, the load.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because you're not competing as well are you?
1: Yeah we're not competing. We yeah, so yeah that's the idea is we we get bigger coverage for a third of the price. And are they all in through the same
0: distribution channel then or not?
1: Um we've all got SG in common. So whether we have um sorry. <laughs> uh so we don't really use SG, but I know SG buys from our redistrib- our distributors. Okay. So as a redistributor, SG seems to to have the best footprint. Um, and uh, yeah, so so that's sort of the when when a rep a combined rep goes to an outlet, we're gonna try and try and push it through SG. Mm. Uh, or if if the if the um, if the outlet has has an account with Meridian or Taproom, you know, in Dragon's case, we'll push it through there. Mm. So there's there's definitely a common, some way or other when we when the rep goes an outlet will organise that that customer gets the stock. Yeah, yeah.
0: What do you think the biggest challenge is for for a startup like yourself? I mean, you're not a startup anymore, but just getting the route to market right. I mean, accounts it, opening listings
1: yeah I think listings are a huge challenge as as a brewery um, I think brand differentiation mm. you know how do you how do you differentiate against just another log or just another i p a you've yeah. got to have something that's that's cool and I think building that brand is is tough um, mm. i I don't know you know you you need creativity, you need something new. But it's still a lager. you know. The yeah. contents of the bottle are still going to be really good. Um, the contents, I would say, if the contents aren't really good, you don't have a you don't have a chance. So, yeah. so I'm just assuming your contents are good. But then everyone's contents are good. Should be yeah. So now you've got to you've got to position yourself. I would I would say get get your niche, and grow your niche. Yeah. You know, I I think um, I think Darling's good because Darling. Well, I would say, Darling, Had Darling started in Darling and captured Darling. They would have. That's how you you do it. You know, mm. you you own your your little turf and then you expand, if necessary, expand from there. Yeah. I think Poison City's done it. You know, you own Durban and then expand. Um, CBC and Jack Black. Uh, I would say yes, they they dominate Cape Town and mm. then expand. Probably Joburg. Uh, well now they dominate everywhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, when you start out, you know, you would definitely uh, I I'm open to correction. But I think Jack Black in Cape Town, they rolled out in Cape Town, dominated Cape Town, then moved to Joburg. Mm. So so wherever it is, find your patch, and and the less money you have, make the smaller your patch. Yeah, and dominate that, and build a brand in a in a small patch, and then spread, um, or don't spread. You know that, mm. I still think the, 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 the money is, is going small instead of going big. Yeah. Uh, owning the owning the, the brew house. So I, I would say if you can if you can push half your volumes out of one one outlet where you own the, the brew pub, yeah, you're gonna do a lot better than than going thin and, and dealing with distributors and off stock and that kind of thing. Yeah. And and I think this, this, that's this message that keeps
0: repeating itself. I always say we don't need more breweries, we need more brew pubs. Yeah. Um, yeah. which isn't easy because of legislation but yeah. and red tape. But uh, I think that's kind of where the beer culture or the craft culture gets gets grown mm. in the in the tap rooms of the, the brewers and the distillers. Yeah. Okay, and you you've now ventured offshore? Is it an exciting?
1: Yeah, very exciting. Or was it time. just yeah. a tax
0: write off to visit
1: uh, no tax write-offs. You got enough tax write-offs. Also right, write- <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> tax write-offs. Well, yeah, you know the tax part's fine, but the rest, you know, the, if if the tax rate was a hundred percent, then uh, yeah. that would be good for a tax write-off. But uh, yeah, the the cash flow write-offs happen at the same time as the tax write-offs. So, <laughs> so yeah, not easy going going overseas, but but as far as new markets. Definitely worth exploring, mm. and and I think it's it's going to pay off. And uh, you've gone mainly Scandinavia like you see there. Yeah, yeah, the Scandinavian and Germanic countries. Um, the the growth is in South Africa. We see it tapering off quite a bit, unless unless the main market starts drinking craft. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's pockets of of overseas countries which are very receptive if it's if it's the right product. Which I think Dragon is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I think the growth is going to come from from overseas. Uh, it's just about finding those those countries that are receptive to Dragon, um, which we yeah we uh, we figure it out. Uh, we know the UK is a bit saturated. Australia is definitely saturated.
0: And it's a ginger country, isn't
1: yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot tougher market. Okay. And if you if you if you do your, your homework right. You can find the the countries which are receptive and which are okay. biggest spending power. So, so hopefully we we found some of them. Okay. Yeah. So that's the next you, step.
0: Have you shipped your first containers?
1: Yeah, we shipped a, a container to Sweden and one to Germany, and this okay. one heading off to Denmark hopefully next month. Cash up front. Um, Sweden <laughs> cash up front. Germans are very good at negotiating uh, terms, so. But
0: at least you know you're gonna get to money.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so Germans uh not and then um yeah, it all depends on the on the pricing and on the terms and the selling yeah. ability of the of the distributor, how we negotiate um various things. Okay. Yeah, but, but in general, uh, C O D X works um is what we what we do. You know, it's it's For cash flow purposes Unless there's a very good reason We're not going to let stock leave the factory Without paying for it Yeah (laughs) Yeah Okay
0: And uh, you've now got I think you've got five SKUs You've got the original fiery ginger You've got the double
1: dragon Yes Yes.
0: You've got a light
1: Yep An apple Yes And and the kings That's it Yeah that's another story
0: The kings is the non-alcoholic one
1: Yeah So we Yeah I think we've overdone it Okay I, I would like to have one brand, one skew. Yeah. But um
0: I hear an accounting speaking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets too much. Although we've we've kept to our core focus of ginger. Yeah. But but at the same time five SKUs is a is a lot of a lot of different labels, a lot of different yeah. production runs.
0: Especially if you're all tiny.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I mean ninety percent of our sales are, are the original. Okay. So I I Dearly would like to just keep the the original and the double, yeah. Um, and then yes, maybe make the rest on on request. But it's good for shelf uh, facings, yeah. You know, to have to have four four skews. Let's say uh, you get some nice shelf presence, yeah. Um, but I yeah, I'd prefer to have two skews.
0: Yeah, so it's cheaper than buying point of sales and trying to put it on the shelf. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much our only <laughs> marketing is to have labels. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Okay. So, no, no yeah. more plans for new, uh, new innovative brands or something, uh, or extensions.
1: No, I try every. You know, I've got a, a little um, test kitchen, okay, and uh, we try new things all the time. Yeah. And we've got some some products, um, but I just don't want to launch them. You know, yeah. it's too much effort to too expensive. Too expensive and to build a brand. Yeah. Yeah. Rather stick stick with with Dragon. And you, I guess you also run out of energy.
0: I mean, it, it, yeah, it's easier to launch something when you're 30 than when you're 40. I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's when you haven't launched something, then it's a lot easier as yeah. well because you the don't know what out. you're in for. <laughs> so yeah, so that's uh, that's definitely. Yeah. I I would yeah I would battle to start again yeah. um, without funding. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh or maybe when we get bigger we can we can we can have a have a team an innovation make, team yeah, yeah. and and have a branding team you know when you're doing everything it's not fun but if you if you have an in house branding mm. team and you have an in house innovation team it's a lot easier to 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 hand out um suggestions mm. and let other people run with it yeah yeah that's the dream okay and uh, th-
0: so the business is is you i mean you've survived this long, so obviously it's it's doing okay it's playing it's playing its way yeah um and with the export orders on it seems to be all coming together
1: yeah well i I think now finally we've break even has has um stopped running away from us you know okay. so as as we've grown break even's grown faster yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some, I, I keep saying this, and maybe it hasn't stopped, but I, I'm hoping our, yeah. our on our current volumes, break, our break-even rate has has finally reached a, a fixed point, and now our our sales, in addition to what we're doing now, will push us into yeah. the into profit, um, or into cash. So so yeah, I see I see good times ahead for Dragon. I can see I can see big growth in in the overseas markets if if it. If it takes off with the proper route to market and the proper sales force overseas, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes, yeah, so I, I do see I do see a new a new area of growth for for Dragon in the next eighteen months.
0: Besides the brand, is what is your your biggest strength? Is it make that you own your own production facility? Why
1: haven't you outsourced it? Um, yeah, our biggest strength, I would, I would say, is the brand. I mean, we've mm. we've got besides a besides your brand. Uh, oh, besides the brand. Um, well, production. No, I, I would say production is actually a weakness. Okay. I, I think production is 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 why a lot of people go under because mm. they end up starting a business, taking out Their the retirement annuity and buying mm. um, a brewery exactly. with no sales. Mm. You know, and that's and that's very risky. Yeah. yeah. Poison City is done. Jeez, I should get paid by Poison City. I mean they've done it right. They um, yeah. first build the brand, first get sales, and then and then if, if necessary, uh, buy a brewery. Yeah. Um so with Dragon and that's we we couldn't outsource production. I think in in the early stages I didn't want anyone else to have the recipe. Yeah. Because if you're outsourcing, you're outsourcing to a yeah. potential competitor. Yeah. Um and uh, when, when finally you do hit the volumes to justify the brewery, then it makes sense. Yeah. So, like now, when we when we're going into into this this new overseas growth phase, um, the 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 overheads per bottle with uh, is now finally uh, dropping, um, and 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 when your your overheads per per bottle rate drops, mm. suddenly your 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 net margin increases. So. So yeah, so that's that's good times now. Finally, that we've hit we've hit hit a number where we've got a lot of spare capacity. Okay. So we've got we've got about we can we can grow. I would guess at least five times our volume on our current capacity. Oh, okay. Without increasing overheads. Without okay. increasing your yeah, fixed overheads. So it's all up to so, market to fill that. Yeah. So market's got to sell, and then we find, and then yeah. Next, yeah, then then we're in the profit. Okay.
0: And and to outsource now to somebody like Paul Bottling, I don't know what other facilities they are, would that be an option? Or is it still the producing the the, the liquid that I mean at Paul Bottling I guess it's all just a recipe and you mix yeah. it and you, you pack it?
1: Yeah we we we're definitely looking at that in in other countries.
0: Can you transport I mean could you transport your your liquid uh, to a bottling a big bottling plant or yeah. is bottling not a problem?
1: Yeah no bottling we can do that. And we're looking at that, not locally, because we've, we've, we've now got the equipment and we've mm. got the facilities. He's so invested in that
0: yeah. f- fast bottling thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, 47-year-old Zeiss bottling machine. Um, no, so now, now suddenly, uh, once we've hit uh, the volumes we're on, it doesn't make sense to go to pole bottling because okay. they'll charge more per bottle than we can make it. Okay. So, so, so now it's definitely not worth using them. But for an overseas order, we might, we, 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 we might consider, instead of bottling here and shipping, we, we might consider producing over there when the volume's justified. Mm. So it is an option. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks
0: for visiting us here in Durban. And I yeah. hope that your new partnership works out well and uh, that we're going to see more dragon ginger everywhere. Cool
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: and uh, where can people find you on you're not a big social
1: media guy but uh, yeah a... uh, no we've got a facebook page mm-hmm. uh dragon ginger mm-hmm. i think my <laughs> <laughs> <One> point <laughs> uh uh yeah we've got an instagram account also dragon ginger um And the trade knows where to order, where to find you. You We're available in pretty much all checkers, pick and pay tops, Um, macro. We're still battling to get into, uh, when I say checkers, not all checkers, but. um, The better ones. Yeah, all the good ones. (laughs) No, we're in the Western Cape Checkers. That's the one, yeah. Uh, One area we're not in is is national with checkers. I don't know why
0: that is, because your shelf life is pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah, Ivan, if you're out there, if you're listening.
0: Is it Ivan or...
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Ivan. Well, it might be Clayton. Not, not Clayton. No, it's either Ivan or Clayton. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Somebody needs some free ginger. Well, we tried that. Didn't work. <laughs> I, mean, I can just tell you from
0: our local... I've, I I'm, I regularly pop into yeah. the checker stores for my own consumption, not because I don't want to support my dear Tops customers, but because... People like, I mean, checkers does discount. Yeah, the, like Devils Peak IPAs to fifty bucks to six pack. Yeah, because it never sells on at normal price.
1: Yeah, well, so it, they, yeah, they're
0: still struggling to get the the craft thing going in in the checkers stores. I think. Yep. Really.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think they're taking on a lot of brands. Um, um, I'm not sure if they're culling brands in checkers, but they. Hmm. I, I, think, I, and I think, and I think, and I don't know, but I think that's their strategy is to is to keep their their offering quite small, yeah. and push the brands itself. Yeah. Uh,
0: but it also gives you a bit of exclusivity if you're not a, everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank
1: you. Yeah, and pleasure.
0: We'll see you in the trade.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Cheers, man. Cheers. <laughs>